Hey, everybody. Welcome to Theory Lab. Thanks for listening to the American Cancer Society's Research Podcast. I'm Joe Cotter, and I'm here with Dr. Susanna Greer. Susanna, how's it going? It's going great, Joe. You good? Yeah, yeah. I'm rolling. How are you? Yeah, I'm feeling good. And we're just talking to our friend here up in Minnesota. Sounds like he's doing well, too. Dr. Luke Hepner. He is an assistant professor and leader of the cancer biology research section at the Hormel Institute, University of Minnesota. Small town vibe out there in Austin, Minnesota. I've only been up to, um, what's it called? Minneapolis and St. Paul. But um, Minnesota, good country, you know? Got hiking, fishing. I wouldn't mind getting up there. I don't I don't think Dr. Habner's doing any of that at the Hormel Institute. It seems like he's working really hard. Hardworking man. And um, I'm so glad we got to speak with Dr. Hebner. It's Lung Cancer Awareness Month. Lung cancer is by far the leading cause of cancer death among both men and women in the United States. And it's not just smokers. Smoking is the leading cause, but about 20% of people who die from lung cancer have never smoked or used any other form of tobacco. Um, so there's just a lot of work to be done. And I mean, we're doing a lot at ACS. We've funded, if you go back to, you know, to the early 90s, since then we've funded over $134 million in lung cancer research. Right now, we've got about 74 research projects ongoing, everything from what causes lung cancer to how it spreads, you know, how do you help survivors live longer and better lives? How do you improve treatments? Lung cancer screening, um, and of course, health equity, disparities. We've got a lot of work going on in this space, but Susanna, Dr. Hepner is doing some really interesting work. Could, could you kind of talk to us a bit about why you wanted to speak with him? Yeah, I really, I really wanted to talk to Dr. Hepner. So, because of his area of expertise, which is small cell lung cancer, and it is a subtype of lung cancer, um, makes up about thirteen percent of all lung cancer in the United States, and it is incredibly aggressive. And it, it is aggressive because it is a type of lung cancer that is known to have multiple mutations. It, it spreads, it's typically diagnosed late, um, and we do not have uh, targeted therapies for small cell lung cancer. So the standard treatment of care for small cell lung cancer is still chemotherapy, which um, if you've been paying attention to the podcast show, <laughs> the same treatment we've used for 30 years. So this is a tough disease. So I was really interested to talk to Dr. Hapner because we've funded him and his work in small cell lung cancer because he is really interested in studying the biology of small cell lung cancer and helping us to um, think about uh, resistance. Um, so why is small cell lung cancer so resistant? to lots of different drugs and how can, um, how can he impact this um, resistance? Uh, so it was a great conversation and I, I learned a ton and I, I'm fascinated to talk to him in a year or two years and see where he is. And he shared a lot of um, really great and, and hopeful messages about the work that his lab is doing. So let's, let's dive in there. Hey Luke, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Susanna? I am awesome. It is a spectacular, well, we call this fake fall in Atlanta because it's like 60 degrees in the morning 
And then by the afternoon, it's 80 and you're just sweaty. But that's okay. It is beautiful. So I yes. know that. Uh, it, it, so what's it like where you are? You're at the Hormel Institute. You're at the University of Minnesota. Tell me what what's it look like outside of your window? Yeah, we're in southern Minnesota in Austin, Minnesota. And it's beautiful here as well. It's 76 degrees right now. And it'd be a great day to get out and go for a run or a walk. Well, instead, you are so graciously sharing your time with us, and I am—I'm just psyched to dive in. So, if you're ready to go, we're gonna—we're gonna talk about lung cancer. So, are you good? Absolutely, looking forward to it. Okay. Well, you are a cancer biologist, and you study small cell lung cancer. And for those of us who are we're going to say fortunate enough not to think about lung cancer, much less small cell lung cancer all the time. Help us to understand just what what would you want us to know? Um, what are the vital statistics we should appreciate about small cell lung cancer? And maybe help us even to understand what is small cell lung cancer? Sure. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the United States and worldwide among both men and women. Small cell lung cancer accounts for about 13% of all lung cancer cases. And unfortunately, over 200,000 people worldwide die from small cell lung cancer each year. Small cell lung cancer is particularly aggressive type of lung cancer. And unfortunately, only about 7% of people diagnosed with small cell lung cancer live beyond five years. Oh, my goodness. Okay. so. Those are some tough statistics, Lou. So help help us understand why is that the case? Why is small cell lung cancer such an aggressive form of lung cancer? Yeah, so unlike other types of lung cancer, small cell lung cancer doesn't have as good therapies. So standard therapy for small cell lung cancer patients is still chemotherapy. And treatment of small cell lung cancer has not improved substantially since the introduction of chemotherapeutic agents over 30 years ago. Immunotherapies that help our body's immune system attack cancer cells have fortunately recently emerged. Immunotherapy can help extend the lives of individuals afflicted with small cell lung cancer. But unfortunately, immunotherapy is very expensive. It has side effects. It's not always effective in all patients. So new treatments for small cell lung cancer are definitely urgently needed. Oh, goodness. So you're, you're telling us that small cell lung cancer, which accounts for 13% of the cancer, so lung cancer, that accounts for the, the most deaths of all cancers in both men and women, that the standard therapy is still chemotherapy for this disease. Correct. And like I said, although immunotherapies are coming online, we still really need new treatments because immunotherapies can be very costly, their side effects, and like a lot of treatments, it's not always one size fits all and it's not effective for all patients. All right. So before we dive into what you're up to, help us to, you, you've shared that because my, of course, I think all of our listeners will be would would say, well, why not immunotherapy? Because you're exactly right. One of the the places where we have had some incredible advances in treating lung cancer has has been immunotherapy. You're sharing with us that it's not the case 
for small cell lung cancer. So why is that? Why is small cell lung cancer, why has it been so hard to treat? Maybe just if you'll answer that broad question, then we can dive in a little bit further. Yeah, and I, I do want to emphasize that immunotherapy is definitely a beneficial advancement in treating small cell lung cancer, and it is FDA approved to treat patients, but chemotherapy is still standard of care, and immunotherapy can extend the lives of small cell lung cancer patients, but it's not necessarily the end-all be-all, and like new treatments yeah. are definitely needed. Um, small cell lung cancer is particularly difficult to treat because it is an aggressive tumor that rapidly spreads to other organs, and unfortunately, it's often diagnosed in an advanced stage. Targetable mutations in genes that drive small cell lung cancer currently do not exist like they do for other types of lung cancer. So for example, advanced stage non-small cell lung cancer patients are tested for targetable mutations. And if they have a mutation in a gene like epidermal growth factor receptor or EGFR, specific inhibitors are recommended as the first line of treatment. So these molecular targeted therapies have improved treatment for non-small cell lung cancer, but such treatments are not available to treat small cell lung cancer because we don't know the molecular drivers or they're not targetable. Well, well, let me ask you about what do you mean by that, Luke? So a targeted, you said a, a targeted mutation doesn't exist for small cell lung cancer. So are you telling us that they don't, so a targeted mutation would be for our audience, a gene that in a specific cancer we know has, has been changed as the tumor has developed and that that change is responsible for the ability of that tumor to grow. Exactly. Um, divide, right? Yeah. So another way to put it is our body has many, many cells and these normal cells all die on a regular basis and a tumor cell doesn't die. And that's what makes it cause cancer. It is kind of like, I like to use the analogy of a car with brakes that aren't functioning, just screaming down the highway. And there's, you, you need to figure out a way to stop that car to put the brakes on or things just get out of control. And that's similar to how cancer is because unlike normal cells that eventually die and new cells replace them, cancer cells don't die and they continue to grow uncontrollably, similar to that car that's screaming down the highway. So in the case of a mutation, these mutations cause the car to scream down the highway or the cancer cell to not die. So in most cancer therapies, we're looking for ways to put the brakes on the cancer basically to get that car to stop screaming down the highway so that we can kill the cancer cells because they th they need to be stopped basically. Right, so in small cell lung cancer, is it that you don't, you said that the targeted mutation, so in, in your analogy, it would be, how do you fix the brakes? How do you, how do you stop the car? You said they don't exist. So is it that you don't exist or that we haven't found them? Some of both, I would say. So in small cell lung cancer, there's a lot 
of different mutations that occur, whereas in non-small cell lung cancer, I gave the example of a specific gene called EGFR, and there's others where these genes are commonly mutated, and it's worked pretty well to target that gene, and that can really be beneficial to patients with non-small cell lung cancer. On the other hand, with small cell lung cancer, it's some of both where they haven't been found yet, the mutations that could be targeted, and the ones that have been found, they're difficult to target. Okay, and and maybe there's a lot of them, right? Right, exactly. So maybe in addition to the breaks being messed up, there's also like a board jamming the gas pedal down. So two problems. Right, or, or or three or four, where it's a lot of different mutations that are contributing to the small cell lung cancer growth, whereas in non-small cell lung cancer, it might be one smoking gun, one specific gene. Okay, that makes sense. So, so that's those reasons, all of those reasons are why small cell lung cancer is so hard to treat. The, we, we haven't been smart enough yet. And our tools are still developing to find the, the right mutations. Maybe the smoking gun is out there and we haven't found it, but what we're finding is that it's it's a lot of these cells have a lot of mutations. So that's what you're interested in, right? Is that small cell lung cancer is really great, unfortunately, at resisting the treatments that we have because it does have all of these ways of getting around the drugs that we currently have available for patients. So can you maybe tell us a little bit more about drug resistance in small cell lung cancer? Yes, so so we've just had a discussion about targeting specific mutations. On the other hand, chemotherapy is more like hitting the cancer over the head with a sledgehammer, basically. It's kind of a one-size-fits-all approach because we don't have these targetable mutations in small cell lung cancer, that's why chemotherapy has been frontline therapy for the past 30 years, because it's basically a way of killing cancer cells where you're just wiping out most of the cancer cells. But unfortunately, in the case of small cell lung cancer and a lot of other cancers, tumor cells eventually develop ways to resist the chemotherapy or in other words the cancer is able to progress even when a patient is undergoing chemotherapy the chemotherapy basically stops working right and that's a big problem yeah absolutely and and for small cell lung cancer it do you think the two are related the fact that there are lots of different genes so for our audience so lots of different types of instructions that tumors change in the dna in small cell lung cancer that are a problem for developing targeted therapies and then on the flip side maybe some of those mutations make it easier for these cells to develop these kind of sneaky horrible ways to avoid chemotherapy Right, that's exactly right, Susanna. And that's what we're looking at. We're trying to focus on understanding 
what in particular small cell lung cancer cells are doing to evade chemotherapy? And is there a combination treatment that we can add to the chemotherapy that will prevent these small cell lung cancer cells from developing resistance to the chemotherapy? All right, cool. Well, I, I think we'd love to hear more about that. Can you tell us more about what, how what you're doing is novel and new? Of course, I'd love to. We are testing whether therapeutically targeting a specific pathway inhibits small cell lung cancer growth. We were the first to report that activation of this particular pathway called dopamine signaling inhibits other types of lung cancer from growing. A phosphoprotein called DARP32, which stands for dopamine and cyclic AMP regulated phosphoprotein, but specifically it's just a target that we're looking at for the purpose of the audience. Um, this phosphoprotein called DARP32 has been shown to promote drug resistance in breast and gastric cancers. And we have shown that this is also true in lung cancer, other types of lung cancer. So we predict that therapeutically altering the dopamine signaling pathway is a new approach to inhibit small cell lung cancer progression and prevent drug resistance that will hopefully translate to cures. All right, Luke. So I think what you're what you shared with us is that you you found let's go backwards right so for our audience let's start off with you you discovered that a protein so for our audience scientists we scientists love to give these crazy names that that only makes sense to us you should have called it something cool like the luke yes unfortunately i didn't get to name it it was named darp 32 long ago so <laughs> i'll have to discover a new protein Suzanne and I will find a cool name for it, right? <laughs> right. We'll name it the Luke Suze. <laughs> All right. So we, we've got DARP32. And what Luke and his colleagues observed was that there was, I guess, an, an abnormal amount of DARP32 in cancer cells. Is that Co much correct? Correct. So this protein, DARP32, it's normally, interestingly, involved in neurological development, and it's expressed in neurons. But um, myself and other researchers have found that DARP32 gets turned on in cancer cells. So normally, it's not expressed in those types of cells. But in cancer, the cell gets turned on abnormally. and we think that's why it's contributing to cancer growth or the fact that it gets turned on, it's doing something. Yeah, and that for our audience, that's something, that's a way that we scientists do things is in is kind of in reverse like this because cancer cells are so sneaky. They, when they have these genetic mutations that allow them to divide indefinitely, which normal cells don't do, lots of times, so loop, use the word express. So lots of times they turn on proteins through these mutations that they shouldn't have. And so what Luke and his colleagues and, and other scientists found is that DARP32, which should only be found in cells in the central nervous system. So Luke mentioned neurons. So all of a sudden they're finding a lot of this protein in cancer cells. So it's probably up to no good. And what Luke now has shown is that so help us out make sure we don't say anything wrong, that one of the ways that cancer cells turn on DARP32 
is through a hormone called dopamine. Um, and that this allows cancer cells to, again, in our layman's terms, be up to no good in the, um, in the lung and specifically in small cell lung cancer. So the awesome thing would be that you could now target this. Yes. That's reasonably correct. <laughs> yes. The only thing is we're not quite sure whether the hormone dopamine is contributing to DARP32 being upregulated or overexpressed in the cancer cells or okay. expressed abnormally. So we don't really know why cancer cells express more DARP32, but one guess is that DARP32 has the ability to act somewhat as a master light switch. So it can turn on a lot of other genes that are involved in cancer um, through specific mechanisms that we won't get into. But basically for our audience, DARP32 can act as a master light switch where you know it could turn on all the lights in your house basically. Okay, and turning fair. on those lights could lead to cancer, I guess is what I'm yeah. trying to say in this analogy. Fair. All right, so Luke, help us understand because our audience is not gonna think about, I think it's an interesting connection. Help, help us to put dopamine in there in a way that our audience can understand the light switch analogy. So I think it's interesting for our audience to think about the way scientists think. Like we start with the observation of there's too much DARP32 in cells where DARP32 shouldn't be in these cancer cells. You've told us that DARP32 is a light switch, basically, that can turn kind of, it's a master switch, could turn everything on and off. And you, you're trying to understand how, right? Yes. And in other words, I think Susanna is asking, how does dopamine fit into this picture? So if dopamine's not necessarily responsible for turning DARP32 on in the cancer cells, and we don't exactly know what is, how does dopamine fit into the picture? And I think to stick with the light switch analogy, dopamine might be involved in turning the lights on in your neighbor's house where it's involved in other cell types. So previously when I was a postdoctoral fellow in Dr. Dev Mukapai's lab at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, we showed that dopamine signaling can act on a different type of cells. So endothelial cells or vascular cells, like these are the types of cells that line your blood vessels and make up the vascular system consisting of veins and such. Um, dopamine contributes to processes of blood vessel growth which tumors need to survive and grow. So it's kind of, so the analogy would be that DARP32 is turning on lights in one house and dopamine signaling could be contributing to a different process in your neighbor's house, but that process still contributes to cancer growth. So the DARP32 is involved in the cancer cells themselves and the dopamine signaling is involved in cells that are supporting the tumor because the tumors need a blood supply to survive, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and fair enough, because 
in the very beginning of our conversation, we talked about how small cell lung cancer is so hard to treat because it's not just one thing, not just one mutation that these cells have um, that allows them to grow indefinitely. There's, there's lots of things here that are changed. So how then would you tie this up for us in a nice package? How would you, in a combination therapy, because you said standard treatment of care is chemotherapy, how would you combine what you've just told us into a therapy that would treat small cell lung cancer? Yes. So as I mentioned earlier, standard therapy for small cell lung cancer patients has not drastically improved since the introduction of chemotherapeutic agents 30 years ago because oncogenic drivers of this disease remain poorly understood. So our hope with this research project is to test whether targeting the dopamine signaling pathway and DARP32, which is part of it, will be an answer to finding a target in small cell lung cancer. Fantastic. All right. So it sounds like you think that you could have some success where people have struggled for so many, for decades. Yes, we're optimistic that we can succeed. And the short-term outcome of our studies is to increase the understanding of human small cell lung cancer biology, just gain a greater understanding of what's taking place on a molecular basis. And this will facilitate future advancement towards new treatments. And then the potential long-term goal of our work is to discover new therapies that will prevent drug resistance to improve the dismal prognosis of patients afflicted with small cell lung cancer. So in other words, I think we can succeed because we're exploring a potential new target that's yet to be tested. Now you took the words right out of my mouth. I was gonna ask, I was gonna ask you to give a pitch for <laughs> basic science and, and you did that. Uh, because I think you are moving from the basic to the translational space and potentially will see clinical impact in the not too distant future from what you're doing. Yes, as a basic scientist, that's my absolute goal is to translate our findings, our basic science discoveries into the clinic so that they can have an impact on patients afflicted with cancer. So look, I know you're funded by the American Cancer Society. Could you share a little bit about how that funding has impacted your research? I'd be happy to. I can't express how humbled, honored, and grateful I am to have American Cancer Society supporting my research. This ACS funding will enable my research group to pursue a new lung cancer research direction that otherwise would not be possible. And hopefully this research will improve the lives of small cell lung cancer patients and their families. Well, look, we are so grateful for you and your your team and your colleagues and thrilled to have you as an ACS grantee. Uh, as you know, um, we are in Lung Cancer Awareness Month, and I think many of our listeners to this podcast are cancer patients and caregivers, and I'd love to know if you, as we close the podcast, if there's a message you would like to share with these listeners. Absolutely. There's definitely hope to extend the lives of those afflicted with cancer. I'd like to assure everyone. Um, and there's a lot of great minds, m people much smarter than me as well, working on this work. And I think that we're all in great hands. 
Unfortunately, nearly everyone is touched by cancer. On a personal note, my mother-in-law was recently diagnosed with lung cancer. Unfortunately, they caught it early and she's cancer-free and doing well. However, my uncle wasn't as lucky. He was diagnosed with advanced stage small cell lung cancer and very little could be done for him therapeutically before he unfortunately passed away. Experiencing that firsthand inspires me every day to research small cell lung cancer. I know my aunt appreciates my work. I'm driven to research cancer and be a good steward of this ACS support because I hope to make a difference in the lives of those afflicted with lung cancer. Well, thank you, Luke. We appreciate so much all you do. I'm so sorry for your personal losses um, and we're just grateful to have you on our team. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you and being able to share um, some details about my work with um, all of our listeners. All right. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your afternoon. Maybe you can at least get outside and breathe some of that nice Minnesota fresh air. And um, we'll hopefully get to chat in person soon. You take care. Thank you. You too. Great talking with you.